Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear you calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host. And today on Follow to Lead, we'll be talking with our two guests, Father Peter Sharippa and Deacon Marcelo Ferrari, about a new video called Souls in the Game, produced by St. John's Seminary and the Archdiocese of Boston. And this new 30-minute documentary uh, tells the story of a seminary formation that goes beyond theology and philosophy classes to the basketball court. And Father Peter Sharippa graduated from St. Anselm College and took a job teaching middle school English and social studies at Jonas Clark Middle School in Lexington, Massachusetts. And in addition to teaching, he coached soccer, basketball, and baseball. And it was during this time that his call to the priesthood began to form. And uh, he attended uh, St. John Vianney Seminary, but never thought that his love for basketball would have a part in his formation. But as you'll see in the documentary, that's exactly what happened. And Father Peter is a newly ordained priest as of May 20th, 2023, and currently serves in South Boston. But in his free time, he still loves to play and watch sports, especially basketball. Now, Deacon Marcelo Ferrari was born in Mexico and lived much of his childhood in Europe before arriving in Massachusetts for high school. And it was only after entering St. John's Seminary that Deacon Marcelo uh, even played basketball. And he's ordained to the tradition, uh, traditional transitional diaconate uh, this past May. And Marcelo will be ordained a for the priesthood for the Archdiocese of Boston on May 25th of 2024. So Father Peter, Deacon Marcello, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Father Randy. Thank you, it's great to be here. Well, you know, we're really glad that both of you could be with us today. And one of the things we like to do in the podcast is give our guests an opportunity to just tell us a little bit about yourselves and about your upbringing. And uh, Father Peter, why don't we begin with you? Sure. Um, so I uh, I grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts, uh, which is a suburb right outside of Boston. And uh, I'm very blessed. I come from a, a very Catholic family. I have uh, five siblings. I'm the oldest male of six. And um, my family, we always went to mass together and we would pray the rosary and, um, you know, go to confession once a month. And so I can looking back, I see how my family sort of planted the seeds for my vocation. Uh, but I never thought about being a priest, actually, until after graduating college and working in a public school. Um, I went into teaching because I wanted to uh, teach people to live well. 
and uh, and instill a love of learning. And as I was doing this, I sort of recognized that in order to show someone to live well, Christ is an integral part of that. And so there was this longing to to give more uh, to to my students and uh, to God ultimately. And through some some prayer and some experiences that I had, it would just kind of became clear uh, that I needed to go to the seminary to explore this call. And kind of as Father Randy was saying, um, basketball has always been a big part of my life, sports in general. Um, and that was sort of a, a great wrestling match that I had uh, with God going into the seminary as to, you know, as a priest, am I going to lose this, um, you know, this part of my life that brings so much joy. And uh, I never thought that like a, a priest's healthy hobbies could be an instrument um, to spread the gospel. And uh, the Lord showed me otherwise in the seminary and I was very grateful for that experience. And currently you serve in South Boston. Are you in a parish setting right now? Yes. Yes. I'm in a parish. Yep. I'm in a, a parish and there's also a, an elementary school at my parish. And so I get to spend uh, a lot of time over at the school with the kids, which is wonderful. And uh, Deacon Marcelo, tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing. I kind of gave a little bit of background, but you can go into a bit more detail if you'd like. Yeah. So as mentioned, I was born in Mexico. Um, we didn't live there too long, only a, a few years before um, moving to California briefly. And then, yeah, to Europe, mostly for my my dad's job sort of took us a bit around the globe. Um, and with that, although like Peter, I was also born into a, a fairly cradle Catholic home. Um, I'm one of four brothers. We're all very, very close. But all the travel, unfortunately, led to a little bit of instability in the faith. And then principally, when I came back to Massachusetts for high school, that's sort of where I began to to question my faith and to begin to sort of forge my own path, whatever that meant for me. Um, and yeah, sadly, drifted away from the faith and uh, stopped practicing pretty much altogether until my sophomore year in college. My oldest brother had begun working for Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and uh, he invited me to go on a mission trip down, down to Haiti. Being the, the business major that I was, I saw it as a good uh, community service opportunity to put on the resume. And uh, and when I was down there, I was just shocked by the, the encounter with the poverty, the desolation, um, the total misery that I thought I would encounter. But in reality, a lot of what I met down there was a lot of very joyful, um, yeah, Christ-filled youth, a lot of children, orphans who had a happiness that me and all my wanderings, I'd never really come close to, to finding. Um, and so really it was through their witness that just kind of made a decision to return to the faith, made my first confession in years since first communion, um, and then little by little got back into my faith, uh, going back to, to mass on Sundays, of course, and then eventually daily mass. And I was invited to go on this discernment retreat. At the time, I had no idea what that term even meant. I just heard that there was going to be a lot of young men who would be uh, prayerful men who had a strong faith life who I'd get to meet. So I said yes without really knowing <laughs> what I was getting into. Uh, sort of a common thread in my life. And <laughs> luckily, God bless that on that retreat, um, there was a priest who gave a beautiful talk on on vocation. And he said, you know, the original discernment retreat lasted 10 seconds. You know, it's nice you guys are here for the weekend, but the original retreat was 10 seconds. And it was just Christ walking on the shore and he called his apostles. They dropped their nets and they followed him. And saying yes to God is just that easy. And with that, the priest exposed the blessed sacrament 
for adoration. And I remember just kneeling down and very concretely counting to 10. <laughs> and it was at the end of those 10 seconds, I just said, all right, Lord, you, you want me to be your priest? And here I am. And that was, yeah, just around six years ago. Uh, so it's been nothing, nothing but a tremendous joy. Um, although I, I never played basketball until I entered the seminary, I did love sports. I, I, I played anything and everything from badminton to field hockey, lacrosse to soccer, except basketball. I hadn't touched a basketball until I entered seminary. And so it was really when I arrived here um, that Peter, uh, we play soccer as well during the week. And he saw me out there, noticed I was mildly athletic <laughs> and decided to, to give me a shot on the team. And it's been a great joy ever since. Uh, that is neat. And I'm just wondering that, that was then the the time at that retreat was really the defining moment for you, wasn't it? Yes, the time on the so the first missionary trip was really just a, a reconversion back to the faith. And the time on that retreat was, yeah, the defining moment. That was my senior year, actually. I had a job lined up actually with focus. I was going to go be a missionary myself. Um, but it was during that spring break uh, trip, that little retreat that uh, that I I decided to apply to seminary and and that was that. Okay, yeah that that is a, a bit of a difference then from being a business major and going to work. <laughs> for so yes, then, I, I I was gonna say I had a great um, I was a marketing major specifically, and oh, I had okay. an incredible I had an incredible teacher who I found out much later was actually a very faithful Catholic. I met her at daily mass a few years after graduating. Um, but she used to say that marketing, it's not the sleazy car salesman. She was big on that. And she used to say, marketing, true marketing, good marketing is the truth well told. Um, and it was just a very beautiful, powerful witness to, uh, I guess, the life that Christ has called me to now, you know, telling the truth now with a capital T and, and telling it well. So it worked out. I think that's a, a great uh, motto for preaching, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, the truth well told. And, and Father Peter, did you have like a defining moment like that, that that was a part of of your discernment process, or was it kind of a gradual thing? It was a bit more gradual, but uh, one concrete experience that happened uh, to me was um, um, in February of 20, oh man, I have to think of the year now, uh, 2016. Um, I had a, an aide in my classroom who was around my age and we were friendly and um, she had made a comment about an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary that I had on my desk and sort of asked about it. And I sort of sheepishly said I was a Catholic and, you know, and it was sort of like, a, OK, well, that's sort of strange uh, thing. Um, and then a few months go by and I was getting my students onto the bus and uh, it's very chaotic getting middle schoolers onto the bus um, and this same teacher came out and she was crying hysterically and, uh, her brother had gotten into a very horrible accident and they didn't think he was going to make it through the night. And so she said to me, will you pray for him? Because he has no one to pray for him. And wow. I was very moved by that because, you know, throughout my life, people would say, will you say a prayer for so-and-so? And, and, you know, I would maybe think about that person vaguely before going to bed or, you know, but I, I remember not really being able to move because of how the cry in her voice was so um, piercing. And so I really took that request seriously and I began to pray very intentionally for 
her brother and for her and her family. And it was in that experience of prayer because I was going to adoration to, to really beg God. Um, I realized that this is what the priest does. Um, he prays for the world. He prays mm-hmm. for people who feel they have no one to pray for them. And uh, this is why he exists and why he gives everything up. So um, this, this, uh, that was a very concrete experience um, that really strengthened the call. Um, but it was definitely a lot more gradual. I didn't count to 10 and say, I'm doing it uh, <laughs> like, like Marcelo, but um, yeah. So. That's beautiful. Well, uh, the reason that we're here today really is to talk about uh, a, a documentary that both of you are in called souls in the game. And uh, this, this was, I had so much fun watching this documentary uh, it's a great story. I won't let the, all of the details out. It's it's well produced, which is uh, you know I think a wonderful thing for getting your message across that it's well done. But the message is so strong. Not just hey we play basketball because that's kind of the the underlying theme, but we're brothers in Christ. Uh, we're a community. We're friends. We we stand with each other and that kind of a thing. What was the reason behind making the documentary in the first place? You want, uh, I guess I'll, I'll take I'm just, this one. I'm going to just throw it up and either one of you guys can grab these right. questions. Um, so the reason behind it, it's, it's funny. So uh, yeah, I, I think initially, so there, there was talks of making a documentary about our team from very early on. And as kind of one of the um, leaders of the team, it, it never really felt right because I thought we didn't have um, we didn't have something special to share. Um, and it was also an awkward position because you don't want to be the one who's like, look at us, you know. But it, it sort of came because a coach and some outside people um, who had just kind of gotten a taste of the team from watching practices or being around us thought it was so moving and they were like, the world kind of needs to see this. And um, that was kind of the reason behind it is because it sort of came from um, very faithful and well-respected laity um, that saw the power of communal prayer and the power of sport and uh, true fraternity uh, centered on Christ. And I, they were like, I want other young men to be able or, people in general to be able to see that. And so they were sort of the ones kind of um, inspiring us, I would say. And uh, Deacon, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I just say that's Peter, I think nailed it. It was very important that it wasn't like a personal project. It wasn't something that it's not like Peter got up one day and said, you know, we're going to make this happen. We're doing this documentary. It was more, it was very clear that it was, um, just a prompting from the Holy Spirit, a movement from God to to film this. Um, and I mean, to put it very bluntly, this kind of a documentary with the quality, with the kind of support that we had was obviously not something that we could have even dreamed of, of pulling together on our own. You know, this isn't filmed by a couple seminarians on their iPhone. This is, you know, this is a real work that involves, you know, a great production group, a lot of a lot of outside help, a lot of outside support. And so um, even even just looking at it from its conclusion, looking back at all that went into it and, and the, the quality of a film that was produced, I think it was critical that 
Christ be the the first mover here. Um, and I think, yeah, from seeing the documentary, it's it's clear that that's what happened. One of the things I think that sometimes can be a popular perception on uh, seminarians is uh, these are those young guys who basically uh, just live in the Adoration Chapel and then uh, go to Mass, and the rest of the time they float along through life basically uh, living in the heavenlies. And uh, the, this film really kind of gets into the reality um, you know, we're regular guys with an extraordinary call. You, you want to kind of talk a little bit about how you think and hope this film might uh, change perception on seminarians? Yeah, I can start with this one, Peter. I was, I'd say the big thing, I mean, you, you, you point exactly to what was mine, Peter's, I'm sure many other seminarians, big fears in entering the seminary, this idea that the seminarian is this otherworldly kind of floating figure. Um, and the subtle danger there is to forget the, I mean, the incarnational reality of our faith. I think that's so fundamental to the Catholic. I mean, we're, we're a sensible people. Um, there's a reason our, our own salvation is born out in, in a narrative of Christ coming to man over and over and over again. And finally, of course, as we're about to enter into Advent, that most precious moment of the incarnation and, of course, uh, the nativity of our Lord. I think that is what this documentary most clearly bears out, the fact that um, Christ is present in his humanity across the globe. He's, he's present with us no matter where we are. And his presence shouldn't be relegated to merely a tabernacle. All prayer should not just be, um, it's not that man is solely entering the heavens. It's also that God himself has come down to earth and he, he desires to dwell not only in our chapels, not only in our hearts in those moments of profound prayer, but in the everyday, in the, in the humdrum of life. Um, and in particular with sport, I think there's, well, I'm sure we'll we'll talk a bit more about it, but to me that was a, a central part of the of the documentary to make clear that yeah, Christ Christ desires to be present in a way that is far more profound, um, far more pervasive, more really speaks to His omnipotence um, in our lives in a way that, uh, of course, is gentle, but uh, yeah, is nonetheless very very present. Yeah, I would say um, there's something so powerful and healing about humanity lived well and a certain like rawness that I think people are really starving for. And, um, you know, the priest like needs to model this for people. Um, and I think uh, healthy human activity helps sort of like pull that out. And um, there would be something I argue like, uh, missing and like if there was not sports in seminary or if there was not this deep camaraderie because um holiness never like true holiness never makes you weird um yeah and it never it never there's nothing unattractive about being holy and so if your humanity is being manifested in a way that sort of makes people 
be like, oh, I, I don't want to be like that. Um, it's something's off. And I think sports um, are a great um, like vehicle to help you integrate all that. Um, and yeah. So and love isn't stiff. Like love, to, to your point, Peter, yeah, love is not this stiffness, this attitude of, um, yeah, when you think of the most beautiful married couple or any kind of relationship or real fraternity with love, there's none of that rigidness. There's none of that. There's a freedom. There's a looseness. There's a kind of um, wholesome humanity that's, it has to be a part of it. It has to be a part of it. One of the things I think about with uh, Jesus and the disciples as they're walking uh, along during his ministry is in some of the older movies, you kind of see them walking along quietly and stoically. And all of a sudden, Jesus just says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, and he gives a, uh, a you know, uh, a teaching, and then they kind of walk on more, and he does it again. I'm, I'm sure they were laughing and joking and doing all kinds of things together as they're walking down the road. And I think that that again, this film portrays the animation of life that is in very dimensional, uh, even during your seminary formation, which to me is is very, very. Uh, attractive, I think, and, and encouraging for young guys. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I still like, I forget um, how the Lord has used this and sort of transformed kind of my own life um, and my own vocation through all this. And, and I think every now and again, when I'm reminded of how raw it is, I'm just like, oh, Jeez, like there's something, but, but that's, I think what draws people in is this and blessed be God. I, I see this even as a priest in my very short time is like, um, that like healthy and authentic kind of vulnerability, um, is it's healing. And I think people are really looking for that. Um, especially young men today. And I think the documentary does a nice job of, of unpacking that. One of the things about the uh, the documentary is it's thirty minutes long, but it it really uh, takes you through quite a, a fairly large interval of time where you guys are training, you're practicing, uh, and you're also competing in a tournament uh, with other seminaries. Uh, we kind of get a little bit of a, a superficial uh, picture of that in the in the documentary, but for those of you that are on the team. What kind of uh, of experience and lessons were you getting out of the experience of being a basketball team? I'm especially interested, Deacon Marcello, in in your experience being new to the game. What what that was like? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was clear from the get go, and I think looking back on it, um, and I'm still, you know, Peter surprisingly and graciously made me one of the uh, current captains. I'm co-captain with the another gentleman, Joe Jasinski. Um, but I would say from the get-go, one of the blessings to joining the team was actually the fact that I had no basketball experience. And I know, Peter, I'm sure you'll talk about this in a moment, but for me, there was no mixed bag of, of intentions. You know, I had no... Um, I love sport, and I'm definitely a competitive guy, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy who 
stayed up weekends watching, you know, the the Celtics play. I mean, maybe I would watch the playoffs or something like that if I was with a group of friends, but basketball was not the the principal drive for me to be there. It was very clear for me that the key was whatever was happening as a fraternity. It was clear to me that that was that was the kind of mystery that was drawing me onto the court in the mornings at such an early hour. That's really what I was what I was drawn to was this deep unity and this kind of frankly the best word for it I find is this prayer, this early morning prayer that happened not you know in the pews of the chapel but on the wood of the court um, that's really what was drawing me in um, and I think what became clear to me so 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 quickly into our time on that on that basketball court was that what happens when you play sports especially within a good catholic context is that you're united to the cross in a way that most people don't have access to outside of athletics. I think sports in particular has the unique opportunity to make sacrifice attractive, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that we don't see at all today. It's it's so hard to find. I mean, the whole culture is almost designed off of comfort, off of mm-hmm. relieving any kind of sacrifice, any kind of suffering that you might have to experience. And yet there's something innate in the human heart that recognizes that there's value to be had in suffering. And we don't see that elsewhere other than sports. I think with sports, it shines so clearly, so vibrantly. And yeah, so it gives people a very unique opportunity to realize this suffering, this tangible moment of suffering, this physical suffering that I'm putting my body through, these 5 a.m. runs to the gym, these suicides, these training hours, they are uniting me they're something that can be offered. They're being offered in a very practical way for the good of the team, but in a more profound way, as we do to this day, for an intention, for something that goes, yeah, as I said in the documentary, like something that goes beyond the wood of the court. Um, So to me, that was the immediate draw, was realizing ah, there's something so authentic about this prayer. There's something so, so Catholic about sports about this kind of suffering that I just deeply want to be a part of. And it's joyful. It's so wholesome. It's so, it's so happy. It's not, we forget that Christ on the cross was the happiest man ever to have been. Um, And I think we, we we're reminded of that to some degree when we play, when we played basketball every morning. Yeah, I think for me, like, I, I mean, I learned uh, so many different things, but one one of the things like tangibly is like seeing the potential in people. Um, mm-hmm. There was something so uh, fatherly about this experience for me in a training in fatherhood, because as sort of the leader of the team and one of the few people that um, had a lot of experience playing, uh it was sort of like the opposite of, you know, playground basketball where it's like, you think you're so much better than the kid that can't dribble. So you would like make fun of them or like not pick them on the team. Right. And it's like here, it's like, you look at a guy who's like, may, may feel like even insecure in his own, I don't know, like manhood even, cause he doesn't like know how to play a sport. And you're like, no, like 
I can teach you and like, you can do this. And like, this is going to be like a beautiful thing. Um, and that is, was an awesome experience because as a priest, like you do that every day, like you look at somebody and you see an eternal soul that, you know, God wants to dwell in. And like, they may be in a lot of filth or they may think very badly about themselves, but like when the father notices them, it goes a long way. And so I think this was a really beautiful training in that. Um, that I think that message really came through in the documentary. You know, as I was watching it, I was thinking about myself when I was younger. Um, I thought I was cut out to be a basketball player, but I just wasn't sewn up that way. Uh, I just, um, I, I just, it, I wasn't that good. But what I found is what was missing is what you all illustrated in that video and that is the the barnabas approach the son of encouragement mm -hmm. you know you can do this you know you can work this you can make this you can you know whether it's uh making a free throw or whether it's uh ex executing a good defense whatever it happens to be there was the sense of encouragement that was really clear clear and i thought that was wonderful from the from the film so uh i just want to encourage you that i think really did come through very clearly. Now, one of the things with the uh, with this video, the documentary has uh, complimentary discussion questions also that you can get on the website to go along with viewing this. Um, how has the, uh, the, uh, the video been received and how has it been used up to this point? I know it was uh, released particularly for Vocations Awareness Week. Uh, what reports are you getting so far? Yeah, I think the people that see it, we've gotten nothing but positive reports, uh, which has been deeply humbling. And it's uh, it's a, like kind of a remind, like it, it's bizarre who who has seen this. Um, so that's been pretty neat. Um, so I think it's been received well. I mean, it is a very it is a long documentary. You know, we do live in a um, you know, a constant scrolling, I don't know what the word is, but type of uh, culture with social media. So I think, um, you know, that the people that have sort of said, I'm going to sit down and watch this have found it very moving. And then they really uh, got a lot out of it. But um, I don't think it's reached as many people as it could, or I kind of want it to, because I think like, the people sort of outside the walls of the church, which is, which I think, this documentary could really reach. I think if they don't have an in, they're like, oh man, 30 minutes, like that's a long, you know what I mean? But uh, it's definitely needed to be the length that it is because it tells a beautiful story. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like Peter, I, I've received nothing but very positive uh, feedback on the film. Um, definitely a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the church goers are obviously um, very enthusiastic about watching the film I, I remember being shocked when um i had a couple people just come up to me and say that they recognized me from the film it was it was the closest i think i'll ever come hopefully to any kind of fame or anything like that but it <laughs> right. was sort of surprising in in the parish setting just to see um yeah just some people that that were moved by the film and i think i share peter's desire to have this film it was never intended for, you know, exclusively for the, the church audience. I think even as we were 
filming it um yeah the priestly heart is one that that goes out and so we always wanted it to to reach yeah those who maybe we won't see in the pews those who um you know those who will encounter who are a bit further from the faith or who just have not heard the gospel this kind of re-evangelization that um yeah we we hope the message reaches them especially just as a as a new as a fresh way to hear the gospel yeah you know we have uh most of our audience as catholic educators administrators uh do you see uh this being used in in catholic schools effectively if so how how do you see that that could be bring up bring that about yeah, I mean, I think it would be a great thing to show to promote vocations or just even fraternity and holiness. And like there's something, again, I sort of, you know, kind of talking in circles here, but again, about the humanity lived well is attractive. And I think whether a guy or even a girl is, you know, I'm not thinking about being a priest, but it's like you can see like, man, um, to be a friend of God, like draws you close to everyone um and gives you makes you comfortable with yourself and i think there's a lot of people starving for that but um yeah in schools like i think it's a great thing to use one thing that we saw around here which we thought was really funny was some of the theology teachers like made a they assigned it for a homework and they made a quiz um, about the video and they were like and they had our faces on it and stuff and it was just very it was very funny and like the kids were really into it um and then as a priest, like going to visit some of these schools, um, it's like, they're like, oh my gosh, you're the, um, you're the basketball priest, you know? And it's like, you don't <laughs> want to be known as the basketball priest. You want to be known as a holy priest, but, um, you know, that's, it, if it makes a connection, it makes a connection, you know? So. Any other thoughts, uh, Deacon Marcello on class? I, I, I- I mean, I guess just looking back on my own experience of like religious education or exposure to the church, when I think of the kind of uh, sort of like the simplified and um, yeah, just the the kind of stuff that I was exposed to as a as a kid certainly was not attractive in the same way. Um, there was kind of a a washing down or sort of a belittling of the faith that as a young boy was not interesting to me, not in the slightest. And I think when you hear, yeah, some of these kids, the way they, they talk about the documentary, it, it, there's almost like a, yeah, kind of pride in, in their Catholicism, in their faith that is also so beautiful to see. Um, every, it's, it's nice to be associated with something good, something beautiful, something that you can tell is, just virtuous masculine like yeah i think especially for the young men this has been just a respite of um yeah of of media from the church that they're not used to seeing so it has been kind of a a refuge especially for the young boys i think that's so true in a an age where a lot of times we're hearing athletes uh kind of going on to the kind of being edgy in terms of culture and things like that, that one of the things that this shows is you can be holy and athletic. You can be uh, called to uh, a vocation, but at the same time, uh, enjoy competition. 
you know, that these aren't mutually exclusive, which is a beautiful message, I think, for especially, like you said, for our young men and women today. I know in my uh, high school experience, when I was president at St. Michael High School, we had uh, Dominican nuns there, excuse me, Uh. sisters, Dominican sisters. And uh, boy, tell you what, we had a pickup basketball game. And some of those sisters, even then their habits, they really were good, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. that was, the, but I'll show you the, the, the students were, were just so excited when they saw the sisters out on the basketball court playing, or uh, one of them picked up a trumpet at the pep band, you know, these are doing normal things, uh, you know, uh, as one called to religious life is so, so beautiful. Now, uh, just thinking about the community that you were built as a team, how is this perhaps going to have a long-term effect on how you minister in your diocese as a priest, both with uh, uh, previous members of the team and others, do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's the most that's like the biggest fruit of the whole experience that we like have not even seen uh, be unleashed yet. But like I say, the Calvary is coming uh, is how I put it. Um, And the bonds that were forged from this team are just so deep and so real. And um, it is palpable in the way we interact with each other, uh, the way that we um, minister to people uh marcello and joe who's another big player on the team right before they started seminary um this their this this semester uh they came to visit me at my parish and uh you know i offered the mass and marcello was the deacon and he preached and joe joe served and the people were just and we weren't like you know this isn't a big song and dance it's just like three guys uh and then we went out to breakfast after but like everyone who passed the, us on the streets were just like stopping because um, it's joy and it, and it's real. And I think people often the presbyterate is like um, you can be on your own little Island and you only see guys at the ordination um, if you show up and um, you know, the, the chrism masses and things like that. But like when people see that priests have friends and especially other priests friends um, it's such a beautiful thing. And uh I think that it's going to be pretty cool in a few years when a lot of the local parishes have um, former players, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's no denying like that deep, deep fraternity. We, some of it gets across in the film. um, But I think to Peter's point, the vast majority of what was forged. uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very deep kind of bond, a very deep kind of prayer that we all shared together. And, um, it is special just to think about uh, both from within and and I'm sure Peter now from outside these walls. Yeah. I think Peter said something at the beginning that was uh, nice too. He was talking about this fraternity that um, he experienced being more of the, of the leader of the team. Um, and I'm definitely experiencing a little bit more of that this year as one of the co-captains as the only deacon on the team. Um, so the, the only one to be ordained the oldest uh, on the team. But also what was incredible about this team is that it's, its entire mission spread even within the seminary walls. And what was so beautiful is like, I remember one day 
arriving to practice and you know we're all this super early in the morning we're at this gym it's like it's sort of at least the way i had thought of it was like oh this is like our time to forge our fraternity and all of a sudden my formation advisor comes in father connors who's an excellent priest and i was immediately in total dread i thought oh man somebody must have really messed up for father connors to show up but this hour, you know, to speak to someone and immediately thought it was me because I was <laughs> his, his formation advisee. And um, he's just quiet on the sidelines. And there I go, like I walk over sheepishly, just, you know, tail between the legs, waddling over to him, just being like, hey, father, is there somebody in particular you were looking for? Um, is there anything we can help you with? And he just very matter of fact, was just like, no, I'm, I'm just here. And it just dawned on me on that moment. I was like, oh, he just wants to watch like his sons play basketball. And it was such a surreal moment because it, it just dawned on me like to be a priest is to be a father. Like we are called fathers, not by happenstance. Like we really are fathers. And so even for Father Connors to experience his own paternity in that moment, for him to be able to share to share that and i mean from my perspective seeing my faculty advisor the the kind of affection that he had for me the affection and the the love that he shared for the team was so moving it was so moving and it completely changes your approach to to your paternity to your priesthood right we're not out to get you right so many people see the catholic priest as like the guy who wags the finger like the buck stops here like the fun stops here they see priest as this like wall that you run up against when you want to do anything that you enjoy and the truth is so much more what father connor showed me in that moment which is like no i want to see you live life to the full like i'm not coming to crush your joy but to bless you but to love you in this and to love you in your, in your, in your humanity, in the very things that you love. Um, I'm not hidden from those places. I am, I'm very much there. Uh, yeah. So I think the paternity of the team was huge for me too. It was something I didn't expect at all. And that was such a welcome surprise. It, it very much is like uh uh, the domestic church, isn't it? Like the family where the father loves to see his kids at a concert or a special program or uh, just wants to go out and just watch them play because they're his kids. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, for no other reason. Like that's just love for love's sake. It's such a refreshing face of the father that we forget that he desires so deeply to love us in that unconditional way. So, yeah, I mean, um, just two weeks back, I brought um, a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but I brought some guys from my parish because, of course, I'm using basketball in my ministry now. And I, I brought a group to go play against the seminarians. Oh, cool. Um, and also just to see the seminary. And the thing, um, and this was very casual. This was not like, oh, you know, this is a vocation awareness thing. It was just like, let's go. We'll I'll order pizza after. We'll play some hoops. And the thing that the guys commented on the most was like, they were like, Father Peter, like, 
that was amazing to see your friends in the seminary. They were like, you joke with them. Like you talk with them. Like we talk with our friends, you know? Um, and that was like, to me just warmed my heart because it's like, this is what it's all about. And they saw, this is no show, you know, this is just a, a life that we live and we, um, and they had such a good, like they gave up their Friday night. We stayed talking in a seminary. These are all guys from like 22 to 27 um, on a Friday night in Boston, which could have been doing anything else. And we stayed talking in a seminary till 1145 at night because they were just enjoying pure goodness. Um, and you can't, you know, no one was forcing them to stay. That was the spirit that was so present. In the video, one of the things that uh, you experience is uh, your team uh, going against other seminary basketball teams. That uh, the the fact that you have a basketball team is not a new thing. It's you know it's not a strange thing. A lot of seminaries have basketball teams. Do you think that uh, as far as when you've gotten to know some of the other guys, are their experiences and their stories pretty similar? Do you think that? They're feeling that same sense of camaraderie is because I could see this as being contagious all over the place uh, based on this kind of, uh, you know, dimension to formation. Yeah, I think I think so. I think that the experiences are very similar and um, you can see that. But I do think there's something particularly unique about ours. And I'm not just saying that, but I think we like a lot of these other seminaries, they have their own gym. Um, they wow. have, they have a lot more guys. They sort of have resources. Um, and we don't have a gym and we're much smaller. And so like to get a gym, like to make this happen, there was so much work. Like we were calling like every parish within the archdiocese within a like 20 minute radius to try to like book gym times and you know, just to get, and then, and then the gym we end up using uh, was sort of, it was so providential how we ended up finding it. But anyways, there, there was just these, these obstacles that we kind of had to overcome that sort of um, bond us in a unique way. And I think it's kind of like what we lack in skill and believe me, we, we lack a lot of skill. Um, <laughs> we, we made up for in heart. And I think when we go out there, um, to these tournaments, all the other teams kind of comment on that. They're like, oh, the guys from St. John's have a real, a real special brotherhood. And, um, but yeah, I mean, to, we're not unique in the sense of having a basketball team with great camaraderie and fraternity because these ex exist all over the country, like you said, but I, I know I'm biased, but we've got something special. Over <laughs> Brighton, well, I, so. Yeah. I think again, there's something again about sacrifice and suffering that, mm -hmm. that, binds you together. Uh, as I was watching this, the closest I could come to what you were experiencing is when I was uh, in the Navy in Vietnam mm. on board a ship. And uh, my shipmates, I mean, we that's the way we were. We were for each other. Uh, we worked together. We had to work together as a team. And it it forged something that you just take with you afterward. The, the unfortunate thing is we don't see, we didn't see each other again, where you all are going to see each other. Uh, I can't wait till the Archdiocese of Boston basketball team begins to uh, form in a few years. <laughs> it's forming all right. It's forming. <laughs> so, now, one of the interesting things, 
with your archdiocese, I had uh, Father Michael Zimmerman on on the program uh, several months ago, and he had developed that series of videos uh, on vocational discernment. Uh, you all seem to have a real way of using the media to really promote vocations out there. Is this is this a conscious thing? And is Souls in the Game kind of a part of that component? For the archdiocese yeah i think more and more we're trying to you got to meet people where they are um and there's no it's no secret that the youth is online um that's where they are and it's it is a little bittersweet in the sense that you know to peter's example nothing substitutes presence nothing sub you know when when his group of men came and played with us it was such a wholesome encounter and it was really bad an encounter as opposed to just something that they seen that they'd seen online. Um, right. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that that space should just be void of any kind of, um, of any kind of evangelization, but it is, I think the diocese, especially the director that um, the diocese allowed us very generously to, to use. And she was, yeah, she has such a vision for these things, such a great way to tell a story. And I think that's mainly the reason we've we've turned to media more and more is because that's where the stories are being told. Um, our faith, you know, is a narrative at the end of the day. And so for people to hear to hear that narrative, even if it's online, it's yeah, it's very fruitful. Yeah, I think I think there's um, been an effort in that for sure. Um, and to Marcelo's point, I mean, Anne Gennaro, who was the one who produced the documentary, I mean, she has, is clearly so gifted and she took captured all of this rawness and just kind of told it in a beautiful story. Um, but I think that uh, it is a danger it, it, it like there's um, of going too much into the media sphere to promote this because, you know, as Marcel was saying, there's like the, the presence is, is so big and investing deeply in people. Um, but I think souls in the game, which is sort of different um, from a lot of the other kind of vocation uh, media or literature that's produced is, um, and this was sort of something I said to Anne when, when she was filming and she said, what are your visions of it? I said, just don't make it churchy. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and there, you know, because that just doesn't, um, I just don't think that's, that's effective, you know, like we don't need to have like little bubble. Um, yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted it to be raw and blessed be God. She, she captured that and the Lord provided. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. That's, that's what I think is, is different about this than maybe some other vocation promotional videos you would see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really kind of picked up on that, too. It was not a a, a canned recruiting video. Yeah. It yeah. was just kind of taking a look at what goes on in the lives of these seminarians, uh, especially as they found this new way of, of you know, working together in, in basketball. So that, again, did communicate very well, I think. Uh, I got one more question for you guys, and it's it kind of takes us a little bit off script, but not too far. Uh, most of our audience, as I said before, uh, is made up of uh, Catholic educators and administrators. And so uh, they're working with young people in the church all across America. 
what what thought or or advice or recommendation do you have for them as they go back to their classrooms? How might you encourage them in terms of how to approach students regarding a vocation to the priesthood or religious life? Do you have any words of wisdom in terms of how you might encourage them to share that invitation? Yeah, I have two things. I mean, first, obviously, your own your own uh, holiness and sanctification is the most important thing because that's um, going to look different for each person, and that's going to be very attractive to the kids. Um, so that, like, you 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 can't put a price on that. But secondly, I think we need to um, promote a culture where we're generous with God and. Um, reminding people that um like no gift of god will go unused um because man it's so true it's like i used to throw a ball at a rim like all day as a kid and i could never have imagined like what god would do with that as a priest and the fruit that it's already bearing in my parish, which I, you know, I don't think it was a coincidence. I ended up at a place with a gym um, <laughs> that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like, I, I sort of refer to it in my own mind with, you know, Joe, uh, another player on our team was kind of I was sharing sort of the ministry things that have happened in there. And he, he coined the term and I can't take credit for, it, but it's in my own prayer. It calls it the, uh, you know, the Madison square garden MSG, but it's called the mustard seed gymnasium. And uh, <laughs> that's what it is. It's like God is using this. And like, I mean, the, the fruit that this is going to bear is just, I can't even quantify it. And I don't uh, say that in a prideful or arrogant way, but just with this like holy confidence that uh, no gift of God goes unused. And I think we we're just so afraid of, um, of losing ourselves. And it's like, well, well, when you do give yourself up, like you discover who you really are and God just blesses it abundantly. So I think that message needs to be shared. No gift on God goes unused. I love that. I, to Peter's first point um, about like your own personal witness. I mean, that's what worked for me. It was the witness of these orphan children who had nothing, but were, more joyful than I'd ever been. And there was this line that was floating around that I have clung to this, this idea that faith is best spread through envy. Um, it was a curious, a curious statement, but I, I like the the principle behind it that um, yeah, our life is the most blessed life. And so for people to see that, that's what's going to draw them to God. When they see Christ in us, they're going to be drawn to the same Lord. Um, I'd say the only other thing to add, everyone, this is the classic, um, Pope Benedict quote, like we're not made for lives of comfort. We're made for lives of greatness. I think kids especially need to hear that. And they need to see that in the church. I think they need to, they need to hear like to be a priest, to be a religious, to be a nun, whatever it is, a sister. It's a glorious thing. It's an epic, incredible life. And it is so, um, yeah, it's so great. It's such an, a tremendous gift, right? 
I think oftentimes when we when we speak of vocations, we sort of try to undermine the difficulty. <laughs> we kind of uh, lighten the load as if we're going to convince them, you know, by our sort of subtle, oh, like, oh, the seminary, you know, you're still, you still keep your friends or, you know, in reality, it's like, no, this will be a tremendous sacrifice. Of course it will. It, it, there, there's no other way around it. But that's precisely what will make it beautiful. That's precisely what will make it worth giving your entire life up for. Um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, especially our young people need to hear that today, that a life gifted, entirely gifted to God is tremendous. It's an incredible adventure. Um, it's such a, I mean, it's, yeah, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And it calls you to such heights, you know, I mean, ultimately to the very heavens where, where man could not dare to tread. Um, what, just, just very, very briefly. I mean, one other thing I, I think I would add too is like, I don't think we stress enough on how like um, the priest gets people to heaven. Like the priests exist to glorify God, but, and to save souls. And like people don't get to heaven um, if like men aren't generous and, and answer the call to be priests. And um, that's our home. That's where what we're made for. And that's where all of the longing is. And I think we need to, we need to remind people of that urgency. And mm -hmm. six months as a priest, I mean, there have been countless times when I've been by somebody's bedside um, and I thought, wow, like if I didn't embrace that grace that God gave me and I, you know, kick the can down the road, like this encounter, which, you know, um, you don't, you don't really want to just waste time on YouTube when you, uh, when you encounter, <laughs> when you have these encounters, like you're like, man, like I, I got, I got things to think and pray about, you know, and it's just, it's such a life that's so filled, um, you know, with the range of emotions, uh, you know, you baptize and marry and bury someone all in the same day. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. And I can tell you, I, uh, I just am celebrating my 45th year in ministry between my Protestant and uh, Catholic uh, ministries. And uh, it, it, it stays wondrous and beautiful. That's the God. It just continues that way. It's, it's, it's a very fulfilling way of life. So, uh, Father Peter, Deacon Marcello, thank you so much. This has been great. And uh, uh, I just love where we're leaving this. It's just in a very sweet place in terms of uh, our calling and, and ministry. Uh, and a lot of it begins as you are formed together as brothers in Christ in the, in the seminary. I want to thank you so much for being with us on Follow to Lead today. You know what? We haven't uh, let people know where they can find this documentary. They don't have to buy it. They don't have to subscribe to it. All they have to do is go and watch it. And where do they go for that? So we have wow. two places. Yeah, you can either uh, go on YouTube and just type in Souls in the Game, St. John's. You don't even have to type in St. John's. It, it'll pop up with just Souls in the Game on YouTube. And then otherwise, you can go through our seminary website. It has a couple of links uh, to get to it. And the the own Souls in the Game documentary has its own webpage, which, again, you can access either straight through a simple Google search or through the seminary's website.
Yep. And you can just get there by just typing soulsinthegame.org and uh, you'll find the documentary, you'll find the uh, the questions, everything. And uh, it's, it's like I said, it's well worth the watch. And I'm telling everybody about it uh, because I think it's, it's inspiring for, for all that watch just to, again, see a, a real life, uh, you know, in terms of, of being a part of formation. So again, Father Deacon, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you very much, Father Andy. It was, it was a pleasure. It's been a joy. Thanks for having us. And for more information about the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative, I want you to feel free to visit our website at diaschools.org. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow our podcast on your podcast uh, player. And be sure to leave a comment to encourage us toward future programs. May Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.